Well, hello, friends. How we doing? Oh, I love the Saturday night crowd. Yeah, the family is gathered. <laughs> well, we're uh, in a series called Holy Spirit, and I get to wrap it up today. And uh, it's always an honor and pleasure to be here. My name is Jake. And if you're here for the first time, man, we're, we're glad that you're here. We're thankful for those that are joining us online, too. I believe God's got something special for you today. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to go right to the scripture that we have been uh, unpacking since last week. It's 1 Corinthians, and it's going to be in chapter 12. Uh, Paul the Apostle writes this. Here's what he starts with. He says, now there are a variety of gifts but the same, what? Spirit. Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same? Lord. And there are, variety, uh, there are varieties of activities, but the same? God. Who empowers them all and everyone. Isn't it interesting? Paul already throws in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're at work doing something within the gifts here. Uh, it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Turn to someone next to you and say, he's given you something. Come on. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to separate, to one various kinds of tongues, oh yeah, we're going there, <laughs> and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Paul is writing to a church in the town or city of Corinth, all right? And he's writing this letter. And the question you might ask, like I do, is why is he writing this letter? He gives us nine gifts of the Spirit that we've been talking about. If you've seen Pastor John last week, I highly encourage you, if you missed it, you want to go download it, watch it on YouTube, whatever you can do to watch it, because we're not going to cover those, and he did such an incredible job doing it. So you'll see, we are nine spirits that Paul gives us, word of knowledge, gift of faith, working of miracles, prophecy, Word of wisdom, gifts of healings, discerning of spirits, different tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're going to cover the last five. <laughs> now, why would Paul give this list? Because Paul had a problem in the church of Corinth. You see, the manifestation of the spirits, the Holy Spirit was brand new. And the church body in Corinth was starting to experience these manifestations, but it was a bit crazy. It was a bit out of order. It was a little chaotic. How many of you have learned at some point or still have know how to play an instrument? Yeah, several. Do you remember when you first picked it up? <laughs> Do you remember how clunky it was? How out of tune it was? You didn't even hear. How, remember the rhythm? Maybe it was guitar. It, was, it took forever to get the timing down, right? You squeaked and squacked. You didn't, it was new to you. You were trying to become familiar with it. Anyone here play in a band before? 
<laughs> now that adds a whole nother nuance, right? Because not only are you trying to master this craft, but now you bring it together with other people, right? And how many of you know this? You'll only know this if you've, in, if you've been in a band before. The instrument that that person plays is the most important instrument in the band. Am I right? Right? I mean, the bass player, like, I think we just need more bass in this song, right? I think we need more guitar. You don't need more guitar, okay? Unless you're the Grateful Dead. I guess you can play forever, you know? Right? But, but you have this, this weird uh, kind of scenario where it's like now you're trying to manage it, not just your own instrument, but you're trying to piece it together. And this is where Paul's at. Just like a new instrument, these gifts are given and, and they're trying, they're practicing it, they're, they're pulling it out. They're, okay, it's a little clunky, it's off. And then you bring it into the church body and, and it's, right, one person's like, it's all about tongues. No, 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 it's all about healings. And so you have this kind of chaotic scenario going on and Paul goes, whoa, 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 whoa. We gotta address this. And like a great conductor, right? He stands in front of the symphony and says, here's how it's supposed to be. Let me tell you. Your part, it should look like and play like your part, it should be. And when you do it in the right way, together in unity, in love, in encouragement, something, it's a symphony. It's beautiful. Are you with me? So Paul's addressing, he's trying to teach us, right? Just like the, the church in Corinth, we struggle with this too. Because I don't know about you, but it, if you go to Bible school, the first thing they'll teach you, if you're learning to study the Bible, okay, to study, to really get in, the first thing they're gonna tell you is there's two different styles, two different ways to study it. Exegesis and eisegesis. Have you heard of this before? Let me explain it to you, okay? Exegesis says when you study the scriptures that you go into the text and you extract from the text, okay? You go into it, you read it, you study it, you eat it, you chew on it, right? And you pull from there. Eisegesis is a study that's much different and sadly enough, we see this more common in our days. Instead of just extracting from the text, you're bringing your experiences and your story and your perspective and your point of view to the text. Hello? Now, I don't know if it was a TV show, a movie, a comedian, a bad experience you had in a church, okay? But everyone in this room, in a size this big, a lot of us are bringing a lot into this text when we talk about the gifts of the spirit. And I wanna challenge you before we dig in, can you suspend that for a moment? Will you pause that? I'm sorry if it was abused. I'm sorry if that left a scar. I'm sorry if it's weird or you think it's a joke and, and yeah, haha, it's Saturday Night Live. We see it all over as this kind of common. I'm sorry if that's your, but would you suspend it for a moment? And can we exegesis? Can we pull just from the text itself? Can we dive in and see what the scripture has to say about these gifts? 
Are you with me? Yes. All right, let's go. We pray. Holy Spirit, I don't want anything said that's not your priority. I know there's maybe healing that needs to go on. There is um, some dust that needs to be shaken off. There is some power that needs to be experienced. There's some wisdom that needs to be given. Do what you do, Holy Spirit. We need you. We clear the stage, we back up, and we lean in to what you want to do. Because as we see, as we understand in the scriptures, we need it. And we need you. So you speak, our ears are open, our eyes are open. Would you reveal something new? Let the truth just rise to the top. Come, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. I want to introduce you uh, to Jesus Christ right here. <laughs> I know, you're like, is that, have you seen Jesus? <laughs> Can you tell me that's not? This is Jesus. Now, here, here's the thing. This is Jesus as we know him, okay? The two-dimensional Jesus, right? I've never seen him. Have you seen him? This is the best guess maybe we can have. Besides just a 2D image and the words that we have of him, this is our experience with him. Hello? But what if Jesus could walk in that back door right there? What if he could walk right in? right in here, right among us and do what Jesus does. Oh, a healing, a healing. Yeah, who's, some, I, I wanna see a healing. I know your story, I know your story. Come here, just cry on my shoulder. Maybe it's a word of challenge, right? Son, get up, it's time to wake up. You've been quiet too long, son. Maybe it's a, a word of knowledge. That business deal, that partner, you don't need to do it. He's going to take you down. Do you hear me? Maybe it's just to cry with you. Maybe it's just to laugh. Could you imagine if he was here right now in the flesh, what we would experience? Oh, but we don't have it. What we have is a picture and some words. And Jesus told the disciples before he left, he said, you know what? This is a good thing. What? What? No, 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 no. I mean, we've been doing this like barely three years, Jesus, right? Like we're just, did you see what Peter did? Like he's still learning, man. We need you here another maybe five years. He's like, no, 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 no. It's good. Because when I go, the helper will come. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit will come. And when he comes, he will come upon you and you and you and you will experience power. Amen. 
And so, when Jesus gives this invitation to us, he says, I'm gonna give you a gift and I'm gonna give you a gift and I'm gonna give, and this is what we've been talking about here. All these gifts and then you again, and everyone, everyone will have a gift according to his will, it says. And when you use your gift and I use my gift and you use your gifts, guess what happens? We experience all the characteristics as if Jesus Christ himself were in the room. The love, the compassion, the challenge, the words of wisdom, the prophetic words. <sighs> but when you don't use your gift, and you don't use your gift, dare I say maybe we experience half of what Jesus would be. It's like what Jesus said in Revelation. You have the appearance of being alive, but you're dead. The Holy Spirit came to give power. Imagine you were a caterpillar. Imagine your life as a caterpillar, slow and dreary, but you know nothing else. This is your day, munching on leaves. Okay, here we go. And imagine every once in a while you look up and you catch a bird carving through the air, flying, weaving, ducking, diving. You go, what must it be to be up there, to have wings to fly? Imagine one morning you woke up and you were transformed. You had wings, not wings like a bird, but beautiful wings that can allow you to cut, dive, up, down, swing, and you all of a sudden could experience the fresh air just as much as a bird. Would you look back and go, I kind of miss my life as a caterpillar. <laughs> no, wouldn't you? You've been upgraded, right? You begin the penthouse suite, like you got wings now. I can fly. This is what it is to experience the Holy Spirit. It's an upgrade. Jesus says, it's not good. I'm limited. I'm physical. I can't be everywhere. I was for what I needed to be, but you need the Holy Spirit here. Because when the Holy Spirit's working through you and he's working through me, we get to experience what it would be like if Jesus walked in the room. I want that. I want that. I don't know about you. I want that upgrade, man. So let's dive in. We're going to go through the last five here. If you're taking notes, number one, the first one we're going to look at is word of wisdom. Everyone say, Sophia. Sophia is the Greek word that Paul uses here. It translates to this, wisdom, skill, or cleverness. Interesting. Now, this isn't, our temptation is to look at words of wisdom and go, okay, this is the, um, hey, Holy Spirit, I forgot where I parked. <laughs> Can you show me? <laughs> I can't find my keys. Literally, there's commentaries that, that describe words of wisdom this way. And, and I'm not going to tell you it's not, okay, completely, okay, because he's the Holy Spirit. He can do whatever he wants. But in the context of what Paul is writing here, we have to understand what he's saying. 
And what he's saying is it's more tied to wisdom, a skill, or cleverness. Now, he uses this word earlier in this letter. Remember, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is a letter written to the church. It was read as a whole letter, right? So to understand the whole story, you have to read the whole story. And so by the time he gets to words of wisdom, he's already used this before. Sophia's already been used, and it's been chapter 2. And here's what he says. I want you to understand this. This helps us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7. But... We impart a secret and hidden what? Wisdom of God, which God declared before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Oh, could you imagine? For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except who? Oh, the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, the wisdom of this world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Listen to this. And we impart this words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Here's what he's saying. <clears throat> Greeks at those times, they're like us. They're very much like our Western culture. They love things defined by lists, right, and definitions, uh, rhetoric, and the art of, of speaking. We love this. Jews, on the other hand, were more pictorial, right? It was, I want to see the signs, Show me the picture. Jesus even says this, this generation is seeking a signs of Jonah. You remember that? He's talking to the Jewish people, his people. Right? He says, you, you have this wisdom that the Greeks admire. And it's an it's a art form. It's a way to uh, speak eloquently and, and, and understand things. And here's what Paul's saying. He goes, listen, there are things that the natural mind will understand about the natural things. And there are things that the spiritual mind will understand about the spiritual things. But if you have the natural mind, there are things that you will never understand about the spiritual. He says this. Look it up. It's in Romans. So if that's the case, what is the Holy Spirit doing here? When this gift is in operation, it is... Have you ever heard like a speaker, someone preaching, and you're just like... Like he's tying things together and you're just, I never, or have you ever read a scripture verse that you've read a thousand times and all of a sudden it's coming like, what? And you're connecting dots to Old Testament and Jesus and you're just like, I never saw this before. That is the gift of, of wisdom in, in the context that Paul's talking about. He, he's saying, listen, he goes, listen, if they could understand it, they would have never crucified Christ. I mean, how idiotic would they? If they could understand that, they would have never done it, but they could not understand it because the Spirit couldn't reveal it to them. And there are things that, that the natural mind will never understand that the Holy Spirit will come in and connect dots and go, okay, the rabbis used to call it stringing pearls. 
They would take a truth they would find in the Old Testament and they would tie it to something new. And then they would string that pearl to this pearl. And it was, by the end, you had a beautiful necklace and you're going, wow, I never saw that. I never understood that before. Was it the eloquence of the speaker? No, it was the Holy Spirit using that person. It was their gift. You with me? All right. So within context, we understand it's more likely the Spirit's ability to speak, to teach. Um, When you hear a speaker and the light bulb goes off, this is where you see the gift of wisdom being exposed to the church as the body. Number two, gifts of healings. I'm sorry I'm trucking through this, but we got a a lot to cover and, and not a lot of time. So number two, gifts of healings. Everyone say, Iyama. Iyama is the Greek word that he uses here, and it translates to healing or remedy. Now, what's interesting about the, the, how he uses this word is he uses it in a plural sense. He doesn't say the <clears throat> gift of healing. It is the gifts of healing. Now, this is interesting, right? Because it's telling us that the meaning of this is, is that there are different kinds of healing, And that it could come and go at different occasions. There are different needs. Now, why does God heal some and not? I don't know. I wish I could give you a definitive answer. Okay? I wish there was a clear truth. I know sometimes it's us working against it. I mean, if you're praying for a healthy liver and going home and drinking every night, you're probably not going to see a healthy liver. Hello? So there's some cooperation that happens with this. But in the Corinth church, if you were sick, if you needed a healing, if you needed a remedy, the best place you could go, the top-notch hospital, if you could say this, is in a town called Pergamum. Pergamum's in modern-day Turkey. It's still there today. You can go and visit a lot of this. And Pergamum was the temple uh, of Asclepion, okay? Asclepion uh, housed what we know of the god of Asclepius. Everyone say Asclepius. And uh, in the Asclepium, you would see, um, oh man, all kinds, gymnasiums, libraries, swimming pools, uh, bath treatments, mud baths, massage, special diets, medications, uh, colonic irrigations, uh, bloodletting. Have you ever heard of that? That one's gross. Yeah. There are all kinds of practices. Just to get to Pergamum would have been major money and a lot of effort. But once you get there, You have to go on this road called the Sacred Way, 13-mile walk just to get there. And then when you get there, you don't even know if they're going to admit you. But if they do admit you, you would walk in and you would see, here's a picture. I want to show you the picture of modern day in Pergamum. This is the God Asclepius. Now, you'll notice a lot of the myths, he's, he's known as the son of Apollos. And he would do his healing according to his staff. Do you see his staff there? By the way, do you recognize, you might see something familiar, um, this staff with the serpent running through it. If you ever go in an ambulance, go to medical school, right, this is Asclepius. And so when you went there, if they admitted you, you went through all kinds of rigorous tests. No one asked you about your ailments. No one gave you any recommendations at the time. What they would do is they put you in a room under the ground. And there was a spring that ran through the place, and you would go to bed and go to sleep in this dark tunnel. 
There were tiles on top, stream going through, and other sick people around you. And while you slept, your prayer would be this. Asclepius, would you reveal to me what my sickness is? Would you reveal to me how I could be healed? And you would wait. And sometimes you would hear. And sometimes you would have a dream. Now, modern day, maybe it was some of the attendants whispering into holes in the ground that are there. But listen, there are actual documents of healings there. And you would wake up and you would see the uh, spiritual attendant and they would say, what did you hear? What did the spirit of Asclepius tell you? Well, he told me that I need to do this and this. And they would begin treatment on that. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Could you imagine the toil of going through all of that just to be in the same spot you did? Could you imagine having everything hinged on a spirit telling you, an attendant giving you instructions? Could you imagine your future and your health being dependent on that? When the gift of the Holy Spirit comes with miracles, gifts of miracles, it's as if God said, listen, I'm cutting through all the red tape. And I want you to be healed. Why would he do this? Because he loves you. It's always about love. Always. Always about love. Right? And some of the dangers sometimes we put in gifts of miracles is, I call it this, a miracle or healing hunters. Okay? I say this lightly, but Francis Chan describes this in his book, Forgotten God. He says this, my concern is that I've met many people whose pursuit of healing and miracles is greater than the pursuit of God. Healing and miracles are never an end in themselves. They're always a means to point to and accomplish something greater. And think about it. This is how Jesus did it, right? I mean, he fed the 5,000, multiplied the fish and the bread, but guess what happened the next day? They got hungry again. (laughs) He rose Lazarus from the dead, but what eventually happened to Lazarus at some point in his life? He died. It was never about just the miracle. It was the heart of love he had for that person. And if I can heal this ailment, if I can heal this, then maybe, maybe I can draw him closer to me. And all these gifts work in that. If you research all the gifts, I mean, look, 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a whole nine gifts here. What's the next chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talk about? Love. Every time the gifts are mentioned, it's always sandwiched between this idea of love and unity and the building up of others. And so we live in a time where we can see this, where the Holy Spirit is still at work and wants to heal. Maybe you have that gift. Maybe you have that gift. All right, so words of wisdom, gifts of healings. Number three, discerning of spirits. Everyone say, diocrisis. Well done, you know you're Greek, okay? It's translated this, to distinguish or separate from spirits, 
okay? Discernment of spirits. This is, this is the gift of being able to separate demonic from angelic. We need this. Because the scriptures tell us that the enemy comes as an angel of light. And you may pick up the phone call and call Cleo. Was it Cleo? You remember Cleo in the 80s, the, the psychic on the phone TV? Called me. Lee, you could call her. What spirit are you listening to? See, discerning of spirits. It's also, you can see this practiced in judging prophecies too. Being able to go, no, no, no. Um, that's God. That was the burrito you ate last night, okay? It wasn't right, right? Hello, are you with me? Uh, those that work in deliverance. I, I, I don't operate in this gift, but I've seen people operate and being able to discern this is demonic. This is this name. This is what it's doing. It's, it's helpful in these scenarios. We have our own deliverance ministry here at Jubilee that you can see this at work. It's powerful. It's dividing. Listen to this. First John chapter four, verse three, verse one says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world, but this you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. I've experienced this in small ways, okay? Um, pastors sometimes do just within our congregation, okay? In, in the public gathering of services. That's why we say if you have a word or something, you go and talk to the pastor. You just don't come up on stage, okay? There has to be a discernment happening, right? And it's okay. Listen, when you're first learning your instrument, it's clunky, right? You're learning it. So sometimes we need that. Hey, that wasn't from God, that was right on, man, right on. You're, you're getting better. There's a, there's, a, there's a skill within it. You're not, like Pastor John said, your mind doesn't shut off. Your brain doesn't shut off. If you wake up and you're like, I don't know what happened at church, but it was awesome, I think. I think I, that's not angelic. <laughs> it's Cleo. <laughs> uh, about 10 years ago, we were in youth ministry and we were invited to this big church. Um, if I said his name, 90% of you guys would know who this is. At the time, he was a, a youth pastor and he was doing really well. Um, and he invited a select few youth pastors to come and hear what he was doing, how he was doing things. And the moment I first sat down and could hear him talk, it was just something, I, I couldn't put a finger on it. There was just something not right. It just wasn't settling. Now I know this is, it was the discernment, okay? The Holy Spirit was working. And it allowed me to stay at a distance where his words didn't have authority or weight. Does that make sense? So that when I found out years later that he was a predator, um, he was <laughs> deceitful, um, he was cheating on his wife. He was uh, deceptive in his ministry. I mean, a huge collapse. Like I said, you would all know it. It didn't bother me if it did, if I had that weight and that authority on me. Does that make sense? Yes. 
Maybe some of you have experienced this too. Parents, you experience this. Sometimes parenting, you need that discernment. Okay, so we've got three. I wanna get to this last part and we're gonna combine the last two. This is where I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to um, invite you into something, okay? Um, The two gifts that we see in the last part that Paul talks about is that of different tongues and the interpretation of tongues, all right? Different tongues, everyone say glow sun. Glow sun, uh, different tongues. It's translated as this, tongue or language, okay? So it's just, he's just saying it's a language. And then the interpretation uh, of tongues is hermaniah. Everyone say hermaniah. This is the interpretation or, or also explained uh, explanation, all right? So Paul says there's a, a language that is spoken and then there's also within that an explanation of it. Now, what's interesting about this gift is up until this time, there's no, most of these other gifts you can see in pagan practices, okay? It was not a surprise, if you will, okay? Pagan practices, you'd see people, you know, perform miracles. You'd see people, you know, uh, have words of wisdom and prophecy, all these kind of, and it's always the enemy just taking a truth, taking something that God created and, and perverting it and twisting it just a little, Okay, but this is the first time, okay? There's no parallel uh, up until this explanation and this experience of this gift. And it's explained in two different types, okay? None of this was explained to me. I grew up um, in a Pentecostal uh, environment, in a Pentecostal church. And tongues was just tongues, okay? It was never unpacked and dissected and really explained to me. It was just a language that people spoke, and a lot of times it was gibberish, okay? It was just, and I, it's hard to understand that. But when you look at the text, remember, exegesis, we're pulling from the text. There are two types of tongues that were given, and within one of those, it goes even further. So let me give you the first one if you're taking notes. The first one we give the definition is called xenoglossia. Everyone say xenoglossia. This is the term that we have given to it. The Bible won't have that word in there, but you'll see this experience in there. Xenoglossia is the ability to speak a known language, okay? A known language, Chinese, Russian, okay? Uh, in Acts chapter two, when the disciples, the winds of fire come, right? They aren't speaking gibberish. They're speaking known languages, it says, Right? It's not, remember it says that some of them think they're drunk, okay? And a lot of people say, oh, it's because they're speaking in gibberish. No, uh-uh. It says that they understood the language. The reason they thought it was drunk because they were just so happy. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> there was a joy and happiness there. There was something they couldn't understand. But this was a known language. They were all speaking in languages that they could understand. How are you speaking that? How do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just spoke it. In 1901, in Topeka, Kansas, Charles Parham, a a Bible school teacher, uh, president in a small little place, gathered his students and invited them. He read about this and he said, wouldn't this be interesting? Wouldn't it be cool to send missionaries out that could speak languages? And that was his intent. He said, I've got to go, but I'm going to let you guys study this. And while they began to study, the Holy Spirit began to do something. 
and begin to speak for what we know for the first time since the early church. Now, was there other times? Maybe, I don't know, but recorded? This is the first time we see 1901. One lady begins to speak Chinese and she can't stop for three days. Chinese. They get her to, can you write it down? She She started writing in Chinese for another three days. This is on Iglesia, okay? This is a known language, okay? It's not gibberish, okay? But it's a known language, and, and the Holy Spirit can use this. Here's the second type, okay? Glossolalia. Everyone say glossolalia. This is the ability to speak an unknown language, okay? This is, it's not, you know, uh, Hebrew. It's not Russian. It's not Chinese. It sounds weird, <laughs> Sometimes it, it's described as gibberish, okay? This is this type. Um, William Seymour, 1906, just five years after the Topeka, Kansas. William Seymour, a half-blind African-American during a time of major segregation, hello, splits off from Charles Parham and starts what we know the Azusa Revival in California, and what begins to spring out of there is this, glossolalia, this unknown language. And we see it happening all over. Now, there's two types of this glossolalia, okay, that we have to understand. Remember, Paul's the, he's the conductor. He's letting us know, here's how it works in order, okay? The end result shouldn't be chaos and craziness. It should be peaceful. It should be uplifting. It should be love, encouraging. So the first one is public, okay, if you're taking notes. A, public. This is uh, when it's done in order within a church body in a public setting that's always followed by interpretation. Now listen to me. This is important, okay? If someone were to just all of a sudden start speaking, make it like a high, you know, I don't know, okay? Just start speaking. We would stop you. Okay, one, because not everyone could probably hear you. Two, we've got to discern what spirit this is. So we're going to ask you, come over here. And when we find or agree that this is the Holy Spirit at work, then we will let you do it. And there will always be an interpretation. Hear me. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 14, just two chapters later. Verse 27, if any speak in tongue, let there be only two or at most three Remember, he's the conductor. And each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, so there's, there's another part to this, right? So maybe there's this public side that we experience as a church body. And then there's this other side to it, the B, that we call a heavenly language, a prayer language. This is between you and God. And this is where I kind of want to camp for just a second before we close. Because I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to awaken something or reveal something to you as a caterpillar maybe, that there's an upgrade. And some of you, I asked you, let's suspend, just let's look at what the text says and let's draw from there. 
All right, and here's what Paul says in Romans chapter eight, verse 26. This is so good. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our what? Our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Turn to someone and say, you don't know what to pray for. Say, I know. (laughs) I've been trying to. (laughs) This is what Paul says. He says, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But, (laughs) I love this. The spirit himself intercedes. He goes in between for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is what he's saying. He's saying, when you have this upgrade and you go to pray and you don't know what to pray for, right? And when you go, God, Father, my kids, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's, is it someone else in flu? I don't know what the switch, God, I don't know. Um, Bring them to church, God. Uh, Bring people into their life to speak to them. Um, uh, Bind the devil, God, right? And and the spirit is next. He's going, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, Bill, all right, I hear that. And the spirit intercedes, right, with a language. I look, my mom, when I was young, I tried to understand it. She says, it's a language that, that only God and the Holy Spirit can understand. The enemy can't understand it. I love that as a G.I. Joe fan. That was awesome. <laughs> Secret code. But this is what he's doing. This is what, he's, he's, okay, 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 I got it. He's praying for Father, Father, um, He's, he's praying for his kids. He wants them to know you. But he doesn't know that they're struggling with anxiety. Uh, he doesn't know that depression and suicide is a thought that they're thinking about every day. So we ask for you to intercede. Give them peace of mind. Take the depression out. Do you see they are spirit in our seats for us because we don't want to pray. But the spirit does. Why? Because he knows your mind. He knows your minds. And more importantly, he knows the father's mind. In essence, it is the perfect prayer. Can I be honest with you real? About seven years ago, we planted a church downtown one of the hardest places to plant. This was my prayer. God, bring people, bring lost people. God, we want to reach the community. We want to reach the, the whole world. Would you, would you do miracles and signs and wonders? God, would you reach the stubborn hearts, the intellectuals and those that are far from you? And the spirit was going, yeah, yeah okay, okay, I got it. Father, he's praying for the church. But he doesn't know about this pride thing that he's caught. 
and everything he's done, he's experienced good things about. But if you answer this prayer in this way, that pride will grow. Let's deal with the pride. We need to deal with the pride first. Do you hear me? I don't know what to pray for. I think I do. Sometimes it's revealed. But I need a prayer partner. I need the Holy Spirit there. I know it's weird. I know it's uncomfortable for some of you. I do. I thank God. I thank God for my mom because she normalized this for me. It was common to just hear my mom, shooty, I kitty, I shooty. I'm like, I didn't know, what is she talking about? But I'd hear her say it in the room. I'd hear her say it walking in the kitchen sometimes. So it was normal. Parents, one of the best things we could do for our kids is normalize this stuff. Take the, the mystery out. Amen. Bring the practical in. And who knows better to pray for your kids than the Holy Spirit? We need it. You need it. I need it. God wants you to be a butterfly. He wants your prayer life upgraded. Could you imagine if we all went out of here and experienced this? Could you imagine what kind of change we'd see in our, our kids, in our neighbors, in our coworkers, in our nation? So I want to give you some practical steps to this because hopefully the Holy Spirit is stirring a desire in you. Maybe it's, it's something you haven't visited in a while, but maybe... I call it a spiritual jealousy. I hope that the Holy Spirit's stirring. But maybe you're here and you're, you're going, how, how do I, how does, where do I start with this? Right? I guarantee you, everyone in this room, you're either a head person or heart person. Okay? If, you're with your, if, you, if you think with your head, it's more logical, right? It's trying to understand. I got to understand this. I got to wrap my head around this. Okay, for those of you that are heart people, th this is a little easier for you. I'll just be honest, it, it is. It might even be exciting to you. But for those of you that are head people, I kind of, wait. Can I just tell you, if you could wrap your mind around this and understand this about the Holy Spirit and God, he wouldn't be a God. And you wouldn't serve him. There's always gonna be an element to this. That is a little, just won't understand. And that's okay. So I want to give you three steps here. Real easy steps for you to practice this. And maybe it's tomorrow night at our worship night. Maybe it's on your way home. Maybe it's when you're alone and the kids are in bed. Say, okay, let's try this. First step, ask ask. 
Luke 11, chapter 11 says this, and you know this, you've heard this before because Jesus is talking about um, ask, seek, knock, whatever you ask of me, I'll give you. And, I, and as a young believer, I always understood this as the you know, slot machine God, right? <laughs> okay, whatever I ask for, God's gonna ding, ding, ching. <clears throat> but you, you, we always parse it and take it out of this second part here where Jesus is explaining this. And this is so key, especially understanding that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf with you. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give everything that you want? Is that what it says? It doesn't, does it? It says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Just ask Say, Father, I just, I don't know what this is. I don't maybe even understand it, but will you give me the Holy Spirit? Will you allow me to pray with that kind of power? Will you give me the upgrade that I see so many people in? I want to fly. Ask. That's the first step. You got to just ask. The second step is this. You got to make room. You got to make room. You, know, you heart people, this is easy, okay? <laughs> Kick on a worship CD, you're just, boom, you're right there, okay? Yep. You had people, this is a little harder. But I'm gonna ask you, make space, make room. Uh, Robert Morris, uh, he's a pastor and, and also on the board of King's University down in uh, Texas. Um, him and his wife, I love it. They were describing their first experience coming into this. They didn't know, they didn't really understand and it was explained to them. And so that night they went home and they decided, well, let's ask, let's ask for the Holy Spirit. And within minutes, his wife just started praying in tongues and he's like, okay, <laughs> me, <laughs> hello, it didn't happen. And sometimes it doesn't. And the next day they sat down and prayed and same thing. She's praying in tongues and he's not, it's three days. He's like, I don't. The next morning uh, they wake up and they're eating breakfast and she's got that smile on her face. Like, I know something that you don't. <laughs> Wives, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and she goes, um, I heard you last night. He said, what? He said, I heard you praying in tongues in your sleep. He said, What? He got in his car and he went to his mentor. <laughs> and he said, what is this? My wife, she gets it like this and she's praying and I get it while I'm sleeping. <laughs> and the mentor goes, ah, the Holy Spirit does that to the stubborn ones. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. He says, sometimes the Holy, you're, you're, you're so headstrong that he has to wait till your mind is relaxed in sleep. For the Holy Spirit to work. Amen. We need to make space. For you head people, I know it's, I'm a head person too. I want to wrap my mind. I want to try and understand it, but I just need to recognize I need to make space for this. Hello? 
Thirdly, last, expect a certain amount of strange. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It was strange for the disciples too. <laughs> okay, you're not the. It's not like you're the first. Like, whoa, this is just wacky. Weird. Okay, there's there's an element to that's just strange. Okay, like I said, if you could figure it out, he wouldn't be a god. God has his ways, he has what he does, and he's so good for giving us these gifts. He's so good. Because when we experience it, when you use your gift, and you use your gift, and you use your gift, it's like Jesus walked into the room. So, as I close up here, I wanna give an invitation. Number one, for those that don't know Jesus, for those that have walked away, maybe there's something stirring in your heart. This is the first step. I told the worship band, I don't want music. I don't want anything where anyone's thinking I'm trying to tug on heartstrings, okay? This is the Holy Spirit right now. I want you to close. Typically, we close our eyes. We do. If you're here today, right in this space, and you say, I need to come back to Jesus, or maybe I need to come to Jesus for the first time. I need to repent. If that's you, just raise your hand. Everyone looking, just everyone. Is that you? Just raise your hand right now, right now. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, yeah, anyone else? Come on, come on. It starts with this. It starts with this. Anyone else? You can put it down. Here's what the Bible tells us. It's really simple. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You repent and you say, God, I'm turning away from this. I'm turning to you. I want life and life more abundant. That's all it takes. There's no magic prayer, okay? It's your heart and him. So I'm gonna pause here for 10 seconds. For those that are here that raised their hands and for those that didn't raise their hands. I say, I want that. I want what he's talking about. I wanna experience that. I wanna walk in that kind of power. If that's you, this is the first step. You make the prayer. All right, secondly, the new church gave us this instruction, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Maybe... You were sprinkled on as a kid, okay? As a baby, maybe you did it and you didn't understand it, okay? But going liquid is going public with your faith, okay? It is the old man going down and the new creation, the spirit-filled Christian wakes up. And if you've never been baptized, you need to be. And fortunately for you, next week we have a baptism service. <laughs> I was baptized as a kid and I didn't fully understand it. And I went my sideways, wide roadway. And by the time I came back, I got baptized for real. And I can't tell you what's gonna happen. Am I gonna come out speaking in tongues, Pastor Jake? <laughs> I don't know. But I know there's power in it. In laying the old man down and letting everyone in your church Say, I am a witness. Oh, 
You with me? You can sign up online. (laughs) I want to be there with you. I do. Lastly, I want to close with this. Tomorrow night, five o'clock, right? There we go. Ah, I was right. Yeah, see? Wisdom, just wisdom, right? Holy Holy Spirit's work. Five o'clock is our worship night. This is a space, it's an environment that we've opened up to invite the Holy Spirit to work. Jake, are people gonna be babbling? And I don't know. I, I can tell you this though, it's gonna be orderly. It's gonna be peaceful. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be encouraging. You're gonna feel the love of Jesus in this place. And maybe you haven't practiced this. Maybe it's a new instrument for you. It's a great night to come out and try and ask and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know about this, but I'm willing to try and watch what he does. Watch what he does. Come expectant. Is this helpful? Okay. Let me pray for you. I'm going to turn it over to GJ or JJ. Sorry. GJ. That was not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Make us eager, make us want. Maybe there's those that don't even feel that want. God, would you make them want to want? We don't want to be half a church. We don't want to be half a Jesus experience, God. We want every gift at work in the right way. So we ask for you to work. We invite you into our church, God, into each individual here. There's some parents I already know that need this. They need, a, they need an upgraded prayer life. God, would you send them that? Give them their prayer language. Intercede for them. God, whatever you're doing, I pray that as we walk out of here, God, we would feel the bands back together. <laughs> and it sounds good. It sounds good. And all of us can be in agreement with that. So we eagerly expect from you. And we eagerly desire you. God, would you be who you are outside of this church and inside of this church? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.